Welcome to Book Strong Podcast, hosted by my man, Matthew Christie. All right, I'm here with Dr. Miller. Dr. Miller, can you introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Jason Miller. Um, I do a bunch of different things right now. I'm still a professor of exercise and sports science at a small university in the Midwest, and I also do some diet coaching. I've uh, been involved with coaching for, let's see, how old am I now? Uh, over 20 years. Yeah, I'm getting older. 20 plus years in strength conditioning. Um, coached a variety of athletes over the years. Um, like I mentioned before, doing a little diet coaching as well now. Uh, ran Olympic style weightlifting team uh, for the last eight years. Founded and run that at the, uh, the university I'm at and also our club team. So that's just a few of the things I've been doing over the, the past 20 years, I guess it is now. Right. So I found you. I went on YouTube, went down a few rabbit holes, found some of your material, and then I got interested in a bunch of things. But the thing, the specific thing we're going to talk about today is the this idea of a generational decline in testosterone, specifically in men. Um, and this is somewhat well documented. Uh, I have a few issues with some of the studies per se, but in general, they seem to be marking something that is pretty concerning. So just starting real basic, what is testosterone? So testosterone is a um, cholesterol-based hormone, which means uh, you think of it as a fat-based hormone um, released from the testes as a result of um, two hormones that are, you know, like most, when you get into endocrinology, uh, I did my dissertation in endocrinology. That was a big mistake. Uh, but you, you realize it's a it's a web, right? I mean, it's um, you read a, a tip, typical um, textbook in physiology uh, or talk to somebody about supplements, and it, it's it's always A plus B equals C. And reality is, that's what I tell students as well. It's it's A plus D uh, sub one subtract L, you know, influence of T sub L. You know, I mean, it's it it just you push down. If you're familiar with the uh, concept of tensegrity. Um, you know, this, this idea of if you push on one part of the web, it bulges out another place. I mean, it, it's a, it's a complicated milieu. So anyway, to answer your question, um, testosterone is, um, usually regarded as the, um, male sex hormone. It is released in females, a very small amount, um, released directly from the testes I mentioned before. Uh, it's, it's role in skeletal muscle, um, Growth is obviously well documented in exogenous usages, meaning uh, people doing anabolic steroids. Um, but its its role in <clears throat> those of us inside the normal physiological bandwidth uh, is actually uh, continues to be debated somewhat um, how much of an effect it has, and and we can talk a little bit about why that debate exists. Uh, I think some of it's a little bit silly, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I also think on the other side of it is you know testosterone probably is um, acutely uh, study too closely like we zoom in too closely on it um in some of these training studies um because of of it's a it's it's release is like most hormones pulsatile so it's, it's not like you get this linear rise in testosterone necessarily in this linear decline uh, it's very hard to measure uh, and then on the other side of it you also have to take into account the receptors and the receptor densities and those are there are not a lot of studies on that as well um, and so, you know, taking both those pieces together to figure out what testosterone actually does in skeletal muscle um, over the long term can be 
can be pretty difficult. And um, I think to to zoom in on it, uh, you know, like we do a lot of times acutely, um, takes away its effect in the chronic long term, right? So uh, I don't know if that made things more convoluted or actually helped, but um, even my answer to the simple question of what is testosterone can get pretty complex just because of the simplicity of it is make, you know, helps to uh, create this milieu to create skeletal muscle, right? goes into the cell, right? passes through the cell membrane and we code for, um, you know, the skeletal muscle protein, but how that happens and its effect over the long term and its effect in the short term uh, can get a little bit get a little bit complex so um i don't so, know if the answer makes things more complicated or not but go ahead well it, it did so it, it opened up some more doors that we can go into so most basically like you said it's responsible for male sex differentiation mm-hmm. then, secondary sex hormone yep right so then that leads into the idea of endocrinology in general being more complex than uh i don't know if this is the right word but reductionist science maybe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's there's so much to it, um, but these studies look at testosterone. So that's what we're gonna try to stay on. Um, there's other things uh, directly related. Uh, so the first study that I actually looked at was one just kind of explaining the big picture. You have testosterone, free testosterone, and sex hormone binding globulin. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the sex hormone binding globulin. It measures sex hormone in the blood. So the more of that that you have, the less T is released. T as in testosterone. Released to the tissue. Um, So this study that I'm going to put the link in the description is a study out of Melbourne. So for those people not so familiar with the levels and what they should look like, that basically illustrates it. It shows the trends over time for different ages of what it should look like, right? But the... I chose this one specifically because this is out of Australia. So the ones that you've looked at are out of the U.S. and in the Netherlands, right? Uh, a Dane, Dane study, Danish study. Okay, a Danish study rather. And what did those show? So, um, so you mentioned before, just back for a second, that you know the way we measure testosterone. I mentioned before, it's not it's a pulsatile release, right? So, trying to when you see a study that may have three endpoints. You know, like we looked at T levels immediately post-training, uh, 12 hours post-training, 24 hours. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. But, you, you know, you're taking, it's like taking a, um, a picture of somebody doing uh, something high velocity with your phone, right? So the, the frame rate is really low. So let's say you take a picture, we've all done this, take a picture of somebody or a video or something of somebody like throwing a ball really hard, right? And so you get the first picture is them cocking the arm back and the second picture is halfway through the motion. Like what happened to all the frames in between that, right? We lost data. And the last picture is because our, our phone was too slow, right? To cap, this is why you have a high-speed camera, right? At the end, then you have the follow-through. So it's like a, a coaching tool would be, that would be difficult to use because you're like, well, I missed all the data. Does that make sense? So when we measure testosterone, that's one of the problems we have is, you know, the, between those two data points, you could have had a peak. And so you're like, well, testosterone didn't go up very much. Yeah, but the peak actually happened at hour six and you missed it. And so that's that's one of the issues we have with T and trying to discover its effect on both long term, like we're talking about here, um, but also in you know with training studies. Um, and then the, you know you mentioned the variables: total testosterone and free testosterone. This goes into the free androgen hypothesis, which is that um, it's only the free testosterone that actually is the potent portion. That's 
it's considered only about two to three percent. Now there's some data that says that says uh, or supports would be a better word uh, that the bound sex hormone bi uh, binding globulin, the bound portion of testosterone actually is pulled into the cell as well. Cause that's the whole idea with a cholesterol based hormone is it can pass through the cell membrane. That's why like you have iontophoresis with other hormones, you know, with like uh, cortisol based hormones for management of inflammation, et cetera. Um, and so this free portion shows you how potent testosterone is. Um, this free portion is thought to be the most important, even though there may be some that is also put in the cell already bound to sex hormone binding globulin. So when they look, these studies are looking at sex hormone binding globulin, they're also trying to look at, okay, how much of this, if you assume the free uh, androgen hypothesis is, is supported, how much of this testosterone, if it is in the bloodstream, is unbound, right? So how much of the potent part is actually available? Does that make sense? So if, 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 you had, if you had total T levels remain the same, but sex hormone binding globulin was going up, that would mean that the assumed uh, potent portion, the free the actual free testosterone portion is actually going down. And so right. you could still have less effective testosterone over time, if that makes sense. That, that makes so, sense. so when you, when you add testosterone exogenously, that is mm -hmm. considered free testosterone, right? Yeah. It's kind of like taking a um, whey protein, right? It just goes right in. You know, I mean, I mean, that's not a great example, but in the, or, 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 you know, like a simple carbohydrate, right? It's going right in, especially in a fluid medium, that thing's going right in. So if you, if you inject tea right into your bloodstream, yeah, it's, I mean, you got some, you got some stuff that's very potent going right to the tissues and, and coding then I'm using the word coding here, but if you, you know, the central dogma theory of making protein or making protein, um, you know, for skeletal muscle. So there's no doubt like exogenous uses of testosterone obviously is effective. I mean, the classic study in the new england neural medicine you know supports that from 1996 but um you know when it comes to daily testosterone leading to what we're talking about daily testosterone um over time again that's i mentioned this before um you know th this is where some of the debate between different research groups comes in and say well how much does testosterone how much effect does testosterone actually have um you know in terms of building skeletal muscle mass over time and then leading to our discussion here well if we're looking at testosterone over time in a population uh what is that really measuring as well right if we're if we're equating testosterone to skeletal muscle mass and manliness if you will um you know what are we are we really measuring something valuable i want to go back a little bit so you said so you, i i understand how because testosterone isn't just something that comes in waves and pulses so short term i see how measuring that doesn't make sense. And then you're bringing up the studies that we're looking at. So over long term, and you're taking everyone's at this point, but they're all at different points in their lives. Is do you find this an effective way to measure this level of manliness, so to speak? Yeah, this is a it's a good question. So one of the the one uh, variable that we have to consider when we look at measuring testosterone, and this is I think plays into a lot of what these studies are measuring. Okay, is work okay the, and i mean any sort of physical work even running uh, distance running will produce testosterone increases right so whenever you have an increase in testosterone in, in in physical activity and slash exercise slash training you will have increase in testosterone the, uh think of the study was done in wrestlers this is uh gosh it's been a while now but they looked at the the wrestler who won and the wrestler who lost and look at their t levels and the the wrestler who won had higher t levels post-match and so it was like well testosterone matters in terms of like that wrestler had more testosterone, therefore he won, even though the T levels are the same before. Well, you could actually say, well, it's because he worked harder, 
right? If he worked harder during the match, he probably won the match, right? And therefore, he has more testosterone at the end of the match than he did before. So that's what I'm getting is that that's an acute response, right? If we look at chronically over time, um, there's some classic studies in this with like a weightlifting camp. I think it was Dr. Stone, Dr. Hackenden did a lot of this stuff in the 90s is, you know, you can look at these acute responses, like I just mentioned, something that happens right after a training session or within a few hours of a training session, whatever. But if you look at over time, what happens chronically? So like in this weightlifting clamp, um, these these athletes were pushed, right? The volume was high. And so by week two, their T level started to decline chronically, right? They were measuring them away from the post-training period. Uh, and so you saw over time, T levels were being suppressed. And then eventually as the, as the, the volume came, or the volume was um, reduced, think of like a taper, the T level started to come back up again. Okay. So you kind of have these, you kind of think of it in two kind of planes is, you know, one of it is acute. And then the one of them is, and the, I mentioned the receptors before they're moving too. Um, and this is why people cycle when they take anabolic steroids, right? You, if you're on anabolic steroids too long, you could think of it become desensitized to it. And that, that, that word desensitized is playing into the idea of receptors. Um, but, um, you know, you have this two tracks, one's acute and one is chronic. And so what we're trying to capture with these population, I'm not doing, but what, what these population studies are trying to capture are these chronic levels of T. And so do I think they're effective to, again, I'm, I'm a professor, so I, I, I can answer a question, a simple question in, in about 45 minutes. Uh, so, you know, does, um, does, is this an effective way to measure T over time? The answer is yes, as long as when we're measuring them, we're trying to measure them at the same time. Like, it's not like Joe went out and just did a, you know, did a blast session and, you know, hit um, 15 reps of heavy deadlifts before he came in. Okay, well, then that might push up his T levels. Um, and so controlling for what these individuals are doing when their their T levels are measured is going to be important. Diet. I mean, this is a correlation study from Volick in the 90s, but individuals, um, these individuals took, uh, or they just measured, like, all they're doing is look at their dietary changes. So individuals with high levels of the higher level of saturated fat can is correlation so I'll take it as such but high levels of saturated fat intake were higher levels of t well, that makes sense right it's a cholesterol based hormone so there's, there's a that's what i'm talking about this milieu is very complicated um these population studies though the idea is that you have a lot of people and by having a lot of people and hopefully measurement at the same time you can get that that picture of testosterone in that you know that you're taking that frame <laughs> at the same time hopefully at the same time of day you know, uh, it's not trained before the fasting period or whatever it is that they're doing in order to help control the, the T levels from moving around when they actually take that picture. So is it perfect? No, it isn't. Um, but we're a lot of times like we do in research, we're using numbers, meaning the, the size of the sample to try to um, eliminate or at least reduce the effects of some of those measurement errors. Assuming that there are all these uh, variables in play, for example, the grip, the grip strength study. Uh -huh. uh, my biggest issue with this one was the the cohort that was used in North Carolina. They're all students, whereas mm -hmm. the one in 1985, they were just general people from Milwaukee, yep. right? Yep. So then that's probably a more working city, blue collar city anyway. Exactly. So there's things like that. So can you draw conclusions from that? Maybe not. But that said. Looking at all the studies together, noticing this decline um, in the Danes and in the U.S. in testosterone, is there something to be said about that? Yeah, and I think um, you, you rightly point out the limitations in these studies, right? I mean, every time we read these studies, we need to be, any study, we need to 
be thinking critically about them. Research is hard too. It's not a knock on the researchers. I mean, I've done, right. I'm not a prolific researcher, but research is difficult um, because you have some of these things to control for. But taking, and you just said, the, I think the right thing here, and that's what we do in the scientific literature is trying to gather all these little puzzle pieces and put together a general trend that's happening. Um, I do think what's reflected in these studies is a general decline in testosterone. You mentioned the hand grip stuff. Um, I do think what you're capturing there, even with the limitations you mentioned, because this is just, there's a lot of hand grip stuff because it's easy, right? That's like taking BMI. It's, it, you know, you don't have to have somebody crawl under a bar and, you know, rep out five, uh, you know, to parallel back squat. I mean, you can just do a hand grip. Um, but overall, the trend is, uh, especially in men, is a decline in testosterone and a decline in general strength. And, you know, the next question that follows then, and besides, you know, figuring out, well, how much is the decline actually? Well, it's probably gonna be hard to say. You mentioned two different populations, right? You're gonna have more of a working class population and you're gonna have more of a collegiate population. That's a very different population, right? One of them is maybe involved with the trades or the other one is, you know, um, banging away at a computer all the time like I do, okay? And so, of course, hand grip is going to be different between those two populations. But if we looked at the population as a whole, if we said, and this is very difficult, but if we said the whole population of the United States, um, what's the trend in men? I would say, yes, the, t the trend in testosterone is lower levels of T and lower strength levels. Like we're weaker, right? Men especially were weaker um, than we were past decades. And as a real, either chicken or egg thing here, why? Well, if we're not moving and we're not doing labor, labor intensive type of activities, manual labor or whatever it is, or lifting weights, well, T levels are going to be lower. Okay. Well, then we're also weaker, right? So, I mean, they go together. Um, I don't think it's one's driving the other per se. I think the main driver of the lower T levels is a loss of work. Cause I mentioned before T responds to work. And so if I'm talking about physical work, so if you're not doing physical work, you won't get the respond in T levels. Um, you know, I, if you watched my videos, I used it. This is just a anecdotal experience. So, um, I had a, a weightlifter in his mid sixties and he, you know, started training in his mid sixties. Uh, he always come in and he'd always tell me how to, um, he's an Iranian gentleman. So his, his accent, you know, this, I'm going to reflect his accent, but he said, you know, the, the testosterone, the T levels, you know what I mean? Like he, you know, he felt it in his life across all aspects of his life, uh, across all his, you know, his health. Um, and that was from lifting. You know, he's like, I, he would tell me, he's like, my friends are fat and they drink beer and they don't do anything, you know, and they're, and they're on medications and, they're, you know, all these different things. And I'm lifting weights. That's all I'm doing. And I'm getting, right, I'm getting T-levels in response to that. Now, is that the only thing he's doing? No, of course not. But um, is, that a, is that a part of improved health for him? Yeah, I do believe it is. And, um, you know, this is just, we can get in the weeds here, but you know, like the, the increase in like erectile dysfunction stuff. And you're like, well, what happened? They took a turn here, but, uh, but think about it. I mean, if that's part of sexual health in men, and if we have a decline in men doing work, it's not a surprise and that probably is on the increase as well. So again, I'm drawing lines here that maybe aren't there, but, um, you know, I think that's a simple way of looking at maybe another outcome of, of lower T levels in men. So I do think it is, is a effective, effective way to, uh, to track as effective as you can be tracking T levels in a population. Um, especially because we're, we're pulling a lot of data, uh, together to try to find this trend. It's not just like one little study that was done at a university somewhere. Yeah. And the last thing you said on erectile dysfunction too, 
it's an interesting way to look at this because, right, so it's a sex hormone directly involved with that. But then there's the um, availability or desensitization of sex, for example, through porn or, right, for the younger generations. So that's that's a big part of that too. So then you wonder, maybe that has an effect on this whole conversation of uh, demasculinization or lowering of testosterone too. Just yep. reminded me of this. No, the I mean, thing. and you're drawing, and so you're, you're making good, you're drawing good lines here, I think, right? I mean, we, I mentioned before the, the web of endocrinology, right? And so most of, and you mentioned reductionism versus holism, right? And one of the things that science suffers from is modern science and in, you can see this in modern medicine, right? And this, you can see a lot of people in modern medicine trying to pull back now, right? Because we've, you know, there was the endocrinologist and the cardiologist and they never talked to each other. And so you go to the doctor and everything's a cardiology problem, right? But in fact, it might've been an endocrinology part, problem. And so if these doctors had been talking to each other, you could have had your problem, whatever it is, right? You could have your problem dealt with. And so this is where we get the integrated medicine, more of a holism type approach. And so that's that's what we have to do when we look at these problems too, is to say, okay, I mentioned before that I think work is a big part of the drop in T levels. I do think that is a big part of it, a change in how men work. But it, if I just apply that only, right, that's the only variable I think I'd be short-sighted and do so. And you mentioned, um, you know, what drives men. Think about what drove men in my generation even before technology. Well, what drove men was, Usually, usually, okay, was a competition, a lot of time physical competition of some sort and trying to get the girl, right? I mean, whatever, whoever girl that was, right, in terms of, you know, trying to um, trying to impress her or whatever it is, right? And then you get to the point where you're trying to get the girl and try to get married and have kids, you know. So that, that drive, right, for a man um, was to be more manly, mm-hmm. right? And you might do things that were more manly, like compete, lift weights. Um, you know, whatever it might be um, in order to get that girl. I mean, a lot of this face, a lot of it is to get the girl. And so if you now are making things easy to where, um, you know, that girl can be seen on the video screen and that uh, desire released <laughs> um, now all of a sudden, right. We're not doing things that are productive. We're not doing things that work to, to build up T levels. Does that make sense? So, uh, you know, th- we've taken that away and not surprising and, men aren't working hard whatever that looks like to impress the girl or um, to actually work hard to take care of the girl right mm-hmm. um, now we have virtual girls that don't care if you have a job um, you can just go watch her for 15 minutes and do what you need to do right so you know that sounds kind of crass but that's the way it is and i agree with your summation i think i think porn is a big problem uh, in this whole picture of what's happened to t levels you talk about now that we have this lower I'm not, and I'm not just summing it up as one issue right now, but the big part of this is all that together. And all that together is essentially not working as a, not working. So if we're not working now, mm-hmm. do you see this being something where the next generation might not be working as much either, or maybe there's an upswing and more working? Do you see, do you see this as an issue where society will continue to decline? And I mean, and I'm asking this because if we are, let's say we're at the bottom right now and we're not working. Do you suspect that this is something, and I know a lot of people feel this way. Do you suspect that this is is something that will continually get worse to the point where development, sexual development will be 
damaged more to the point where we're actually having issues on a grand scale? Well, I mean, you already see it in our culture. The push in our culture is toward androgyny, which is men and women are the same, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you see it in many different ways displayed. Um, and so uh, this is what I will say, though. Whether you have a view, like I do, um, a biblical worldview, or you have a view just that's evolutionary, okay? Um, either way, this can't continue, right? I mean, it, it can't. Either, the, this, either humans are going to stop... <laughs> being a part of the earth, or um, I think what will happen is, I mean, I think you're already seeing it. You mentioned some of the the viral folks you're seeing, right? Is that men are getting tired of being told that they don't, like their aggressiveness is bad, right? That their, um, their manliness is, um, is bad. Now, is there bad manliness? Is there, is there so-called toxic masculinity? Sure, there is, but uh, that's been overplayed too. Right. And so I actually think what's going to happen over time and where men have to be actually careful is that um, a lot of men are going to say, I'm tired of being told these impulses I have to be aggressive to right to um, to be a man. Yeah. Compete to do all these things. These are good things. Right. To defend, to do all these things. These are really good things. And we have to be careful when we come, you know, when men come out of that, not to get angry and say, you know, I've been treated this way. Right. To to make sure we still, you know learn how to manage right that aggressiveness and that's that's the problem it's kind of like having a um you know i'm going to probably make this a little bit hyperbole but like having a tiger right i mean you have to learn how to train that thing or it's going to eat you right and so i think where we are right now is everybody said the tiger's bad let's kill it right let's just kill the tiger that we don't have to deal with it and it's like well that's not right either um and so we have to stay out of the ditches what i'm getting at we can go you know, um, I am man, hear me roar and smash and kill. And it's like, well, no, it's not that. But then on the other side, I think it was where we're now, like ma- masculinity is scary and we shouldn't mess with it. That's also bad. Um, so well, how does this look in the future? Well, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I think the answer is pretty simple. Um, and that is as you grow up, right? As you are grow up as a man, one day you have children, be a dad. Mm-hmm. I, that sounds very, very simplistic. I told I just harped on this, all this holism and all this, this reductionism. But I think that's the, if we're going to talk about one of the biggest things that men could do is raise other men, right? Raise other men to work. Even if they're going to bang away on a computer most of the day, get a, a young boy out and have him work, get him out and do sports, right? Get him out and, and be physically active. I'm not saying every man has to be outdoor man cutting down trees with their teeth. Okay. I think that's also, you know, I think that's machismo man. Right. But I think getting men to work and and fathers are the the ones that have to do that is to push men to work. Right. I grew up in the fatherless house. And so I've had to learn these things myself. Okay. And so, you know, maleness begots maleness and then maleness also teaches men how to act like men treat, how to treat a woman. Right. How to treat treat with respect. Those things are passed down and we're missing that. That's what we're missing right now. Um, if I'm, if, if I kind of take a big view backwards and if I was going to pick one variable, that would be it. And that may not sound very physiological, but it all ties together. There is a sociological con, uh, part of this. There is a psychological part of this, um, you know, to what we're seeing and until T decline, you know, why is this work not happening? This is one of the reasons is, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have men teaching men. <laughs> right. I, uh, <clears throat> I do agree. And I think that I, I'm seeing at my level, maybe it's just because I'm reaching an age where I'm, uh, I guess, peaking at this level of testosterone. 
so that maybe these effects are the most high, but the people around me too, people my age, whether it's where I go to school or whether it is the people that I see online going viral, I think there is some sort of resistance against this now where we're saying, I mean, this is this is how we are and this is how I get stuff done and this is, you know, this is how we're made. And I'm starting to see a backswing where I'm, I'm optimistic in most things. So I, I think that there's a positivity coming from this, right? And people talk about a ton of things that are contributing to this downward, uh, we'll call it a demasculinization. So maybe I'm too optimistic, but I think I think there's good coming from from the extreme, right? You talked about extremes, so there, there's there's never good in the extremes. Hmm. So you go too far one way, and and it has to come back, right? Yeah, and I think that's the part I was, you know, as as the pendulum does swing back, and it will. I don't know if it'll happen in my generation, maybe happen in yours, maybe happen in my kids. Is that um, if we have men teaching men, though, we can maybe put the brakes on as that pendulum goes too far the other way again, right? Where we have I am man, hear me roar, bow down before me, right? Um, what ultimately what hopefully happen is you have hardworking men who are teaching boys how to be hardworking men and be like I told you, you know, mentioned before is how to treat a woman, how to, how to go to work and work hard each day. And your life isn't a Disney movie and sometimes it gets hard, right? And you got to suck it up and do it. Um, and you know, being competitive and that doesn't have to always be physically, but being competitive is a good thing. And, you know, getting, I'll use video games example, right? I play video games. And it was a great um, thing to do after football practice, especially in college, right? But if you think about why video games are so popular, especially among men, I know women play video games too, but think about it. The majority of people who play video games are men. Well, what is so appealing about video games to men? What is in those games, the really good ones, and I, I don't have a problem with video games, but I, I think you can get lost in them, is Dominion. Think about it. You build things. You lead a team. You're the star quarterback. You're, I mean, pick something, right? You're the warrior. You're the the space guy who I, destroys everything. It's dominion. Like that's what it's in every man. And I'm not, I don't want to paint masculinity as machismo, right? Where everybody's got to have, you know, uh, a 325 bench and, you know, uh, that's not it. It's, it's in all of us as men to typically to want to do those things. And video games have captured that, right? That's why they're so appealing. Um, and so it's, it's, it's saying, Hey, Let's take those cyber desires you have, uh, including now sexual ones, unfortunately, and let's put them back in the real world, right? And now build something here, build a business, build a team, be a coach, uh, build your body, um, whatever, whatever it is you're interested in, um, build it out in the real world, right? And and see what happens. That That's going to be more rewarding, more fun anyway. What we're talking about just reminded me of another study that um, I think. I found this one. So this is on, it's an Israeli study, which looked at the same idea of a decline in testosterone in men over the course of a few decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually over the course of, I think, 2002 to uh, 2020, something like that. I'll, I can't find it at the moment, but you would think that because being in a country where you are experiencing danger, and you never know at what point uh, your whole ex- you could get bombed. You can. They're hardened 
it's a hardened society because of this. I would assume. I've never been. Hmm. But I would assume that this idea of hard times build hard men hmm. is a result of other countries like the Danes and then us going towards this direction of being softer. So hmm. we have our life is too easy. Hmm. And that goes into not working hard. But I imagine being in Israel, you would then not see this trend. But there still is this trend of a decline in testosterone. Well, I'm definitely I'm not a expert in Israeli life to be sure, but um, if you and there's no doubt there's dangers there that we don't um, face here in the West, most countries in the West. Uh, but I, I think so. I, I want to again be careful in my lane here because I don't you know somebody that maybe listening is like this expert on Israeli culture is like well you're way off. But even then though, I mean if you look at modernity, right? Modernity still applies to in Israel though. Right. And so even though there's rockets and things like that, not every man is on the on the wall. Right. So to speak, um, right. trying to fight off invaders all the time. And so um, I think that the same problems we're facing here in the because Israel in a lot of ways is it, well, no, not a lot of ways. It, it's a modern nation. Right. It is a modern nation. And so the same pitfalls we have in the West, even though we don't have uh, the threat of rockets and, and bombs, et cetera, um, semi regularly you know, it's, it's a little bit different, um, than let's say, you know, a, a war torn country where, you know, there's actually fighting going on in the streets a lot. So again, I'll be, I want to be careful there just because I don't know the landscape of Israel, but I, I get what you're saying. Um, uh, that, uh, you know, if, if, if you're seeing a, if you're seeing an increase in work, right. Um, if there's a, if a nation's in war, then you would expect the total testosterone in that population and the men to be higher. And, it would be interesting if we could track that like in World War II and the soldiers actually over in, you know, in Europe or in, in um, the islands, you know, uh, leading Japan, right, measure. Because even if we measure them back at home, right, the men back in in World War II at, uh, in the United States, we might we not might not see an elevated testosterone. So it's hard to say. You might even see a, you know, a reduction in testosterone if those men uh, that are fighting all the time are under a lot of duress, which they are, right, and they're not eating a lot. Um, you actually, like I mentioned before, those training studies, I mean, testosterone is a stress hormone. And so I mentioned the word work, well, work is stress. And so T levels will go up acutely as a response to that. But over time, if there's too much stress is where we get back to training, right? If there's too much stress over too long of a time period, you're going to see a suppression of T levels. Um, and so now you have a problem or if diet is bad, you're going to see a suppression of T levels. So again, this is where T levels get a little bit tricky. Um, but in these population studies, um, you know, again, you're just trying to capture this trend over time. Uh, and, you know, to, to, to make sure I'm being clear, a T levels will drop at some point, right? And mm. it used to be thought of around the fourth decade of life. So around your 40s, um, you would start to did, see a decline in T. Uh, and then in your seventh decade, 70s, it declines even more rapidly. Uh, so, you know, if we're looking about curves, right? Um, and so what we're talking about here with these these studies on testosterone is not the decline in testosterone over the course of a lifespan. That's going to happen. So you get into this idea of sarcopenia. And, and again, there's arguments on sarcopenia. Is it is it because of reduced amount of work going on, like less physical activity going on in a man that they see it level, drops the T, or is it actual, you know, something physiological? And it's probably a little bit of both. Um, but what we're comparing and the problem comes is when we're comparing other generations, right? So like the American study that looked yes. at these previous generations and seeing the T levels of a I'm, I'm trying to remember the study now, so I'm going to probably be off here a little bit. Let's say the T levels, though, of a 50-year-old, 
right? And the silent generation, so like that World War II kind of generation, um, are are just as high as a, you know, the 30 year olds in you know my generation. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's problematic. That's where the that's what we're talking about here. That's where the the concern is is that we're just seeing a, a total drop in T. Um, I found this study, so I'm just going to give that study some credit. So that is uh, studied in the reproductive bio, biological endocrinology journal in 2020. Uh, secular trends in testosterone findings from a large state mandate mm-hmm. care provider. So this is the one from Israel. And again, a lot to consider in that. So that might not be speaking much because maybe in the 70s, there was more stress than in 2004 when they last pulled it, right? So there's there's a lot to that and not understanding the entire political scape of right. uh, Israel at the time. Well, and just modernity in general. Look how much technological advances we've had. I mean, I have a robot now that vacuums my floor, right? I mean, think about that. I mean, if you'd have told me that when I was a kid, I'd be like, what the frick are you talking about? They're like, no, I vacuumed the floor. I get this stupid little box out and I drag that thing all over the house. Like, we even have a push vacuum. We had one of those like little boxes you carry around in it. Right. I mean, that, that was that was a lot of work. That was an hour long adventure to vacuum that. And we didn't have a big house. It just, stupid vacuum was a pain in the butt. And so, you know, now I just turn, I push a button and the little vacuum does everything, you know? So, I mean, even in the course of my lifetime, you know, we've become, I can be pretty sedentary during the day. Um, what, you know, just by living my life and now, you know, we have Netflix and everything else. Um, you know, you can, I can't remember this. This was even like uh, 10 years ago where they looked at the percentage of adults that spend less than 15 minutes a day in physical activity. Uh, and, uh, I want to say it was like 30%. I probably am a little bit off here. It's been a while since I looked at that. But that's all. I mean, think about it, less than 15 minutes of movement. And it's probably higher now, right? Um, that's not good for men and women. And we've been talking about men here. But I mean, for anybody, that's not a good thing. Um, so I, I think rediscovering <laughs> rediscovering movement and the challenge you mentioned before is like, how does, does this keep declining? Well, I think getting men away from the cyber world and actually starting to build things would be helpful for everybody, for society in general. Um, you know, the economy, all these other things, right, would be great. And we've seen the SANS pandemic right now. People, you know, we're seeing a drop in workers as the boomers retire. And we have my tiny little generation, right? And people aren't going to work. Um, but that aside, um, you know, how do we get out of this in terms of physical activity? Well, you know, I, I like, the, if you look at it, most people have moved to urban, suburban areas, right? Um, I live in suburbia, okay? Well, that that doesn't, produce a lot of work in itself, right? We don't live in a agrarian culture anymore. I mentioned the Amish studies, right? I mean, the, the rate of obesity in, in the Amish is zero, okay? The Amish live longer, typically. Um, the Amish have a lot more children, and there's a correlation here to more children equals longer life, right? I mean, it's, I mean, this you're seeing kind of the blueprint how things could look. Well, how do we do that in suburbia and, and the urban cultures then when, right, we don't have, but I like this idea of, of exploring and again, this is getting in the weeds a little bit here, but like a, uh, the garden city, right? In other words, having more incorporation of the green spaces, okay, and growing food, right? And those things in suburbia and the urban culture. Um, so I don't know how that looks. I'm not a, a city planner and that's way outside of my scope. But, you know, when you're trying to increase activity, it's not just through the gym. I love the gym. I think it's a great place. But th- if you think about it's it, not the for gym, everyone. it's not for everybody to think about it. It's artificial. Like you, you get on a treadmill and run to nowhere. <laughs> you ride a bike to nowhere. Um, I love lifting weights, but what am I lifting weights for? 
I don't know. I mean, am I going to fight in the gladiator games tomorrow? <laughs> I mean, I like to lift weights. It's good to be strong. And, you know, obviously you can produce, you know, if you're stronger, you can do tasks, but what tasks am I going to do? Like lift up my mouse. Right. I mean, I mean, these are things like, okay, well maybe exercise is good, but how do we increase physical activity? And that's what I'm getting at, you know, with this idea of a garden city, whatever that is, looks like is, you know, where people actually maybe farm their food a little bit more. <laughs> You know, and that sounds kind of very obtuse and weird, but, uh, you know, how do we get into this back to this, this agrarian type of approach without living that agrarian lifestyle and going back to the farm? I don't know, but that's just some ideas that how we can maybe merge these two things over time. And that's, again, that's, uh, that's probably a bit silly, but, um, I don't know how we get out of this, this, you know, Wally, if you ever seen the movie Wally, right. We're all heading to Wally floating around in little chairs, you know, looking at computer screens being all day. Fat. So being fat and not moving and not looking around us right like hey you know like i tell my students they look at me i'm crazy because i am crazy but like you, you know you ever watch just like a dragonfly fly by you're like that's pretty freaking cool you know like we've lost this wonder of like hey i'm gonna go into the woods and maybe look at some more of this you know and that sounds silly but we've lost that modernity has made us very dull yeah and as a result i think that comes back to our discussion is you know if if we think cyber stuff is more interesting and mo not moving is more interesting and that's what we're going to do if we see the world for what it is as an opportunity to enjoy um, and to build in the world, then we're going to move more. We're going to work more. Um, and as a result, you'll see T levels come up. You know, if we restore the idea of a, of a, of a father being important and winning the girl and all those things, then you're going to see more work being done. So um, I, I think at societal level, oddly enough, that's tied to what we're seeing with the T levels as we've been kind of dancing around a little bit as we've been talking. So, Dr. Miller, I appreciate you taking the time, talking about this issue, trying to hash it out and understanding that science isn't really, it's difficult to use research and generalize, but there is use in it. So, thanks for the time. Sure. And if you ever want to talk about sets and reps, let me know something that maybe <laughs> we can drill down a little bit closer in the details. But um, hopefully your view, uh, your listeners found this, uh, found this interesting at the worst, maybe some food for thought and Certainly, if there's some pushback, that's good too. Um, you know, we like um, good dialogue. That's how we all. That's how we all get smarter, quote unquote, smarter. So, thanks for listening to another episode of the Book Strong Podcast. No man is more unhappy than he who never faces adversity, for he is not permitted to prove himself. <laughs>